Thanks everyone for joining us. My name is Emily Bothell. Um, let me share my screen here quick. I am the Senior Associate Transportation Planner for the MPO Johnson County. And for those of you unfamiliar with the MPO, we are a federally mandated transportation programming and policy making organization for the county. We channel federal funding for transportation projects and programs to local entities, and we take part in local planning for our area roads, transit, and bike and ped facilities. <clears throat> Excuse me. As part of our annual work program, we conduct trail counts across the metro between May and October. And more recently, um, this past year, we've seen um, an uptick in trail usage that um, we believe may be due to COVID-19, as many people are seeking out the trails as a healthy alternative. Um, and so <clears throat> we recently posted, um, I think, three or four trails um, that we do um, counts every year, every other year um, on our Instagram and Facebook page. And so if you go to those pages, you'll be able to see um, trends in trail counts um, over the past, I think it's um, anywhere from five to seven years. So you can um, really see that uptick in 2020. Uh, with that, I'm going to uh, pass it over to my colleague, Sarah Walls, who's going to talk more about the Trails to Table Challenge and introduce our guests. Thanks, Emily. I'm Sarah Walls, also with the Metropolitan Planning Organization of Johnson County. And that's a perfect segue to Trails to Table because um, Trails to Table is a, is a um, what I want to call it, it's a charitable challenge. Um, but it jumps off from where Emily was talking about. We've, we've seen this big uptick in trail usage this year. And we know we believe that's in part due to COVID because you know a lot of people couldn't, um, kids weren't in school, uh, people were working from home, a lot of people weren't going to gyms. And then for a while we couldn't go to stores and restaurants. And so we're all looking for something different to do. And we know that being outside is safe and we can even be social when we're outdoors. We have to mind wearing masks and keeping distance and things like that, but it's a, it's a safe place to be. And so we wanted to carry forward um, and encourage people to get out on the trails through the winter. We know that's harder to do with the cold weather, um, but we wanted people to do that um, for their mental and emotional and physical health to be out there. And at the same time, the MPO has traditionally had a fun little competition with the communities that we represent, which are Iowa City, Coralville, North Liberty, University Heights and Tiffin. We've always at this year with our staffs, the staffs at the various communities have done fundraising for charities. And so this year we said, let's try to raise funds for the local food bank because we know the need is real and that we, we know that it will continue. And, um, and so I think today, um, our, the Zoom that we have, I, I want you to encourage you to give to the food banks and we have, Emily has put up a link to where you can do that. It all goes through our local, um, uh, the Community Foundation of Johnson County, and then they'll divide it between the three food banks. And today is kind of appropriate um, to be encouraging you to do that. Many of you probably got your stimulus checks from the government. Some folks probably need, really need to hang on to those, but if you're, if you're looking to give to charity, that's one great thing to do. Um, I know that um, the folks from the bike library will be talking about some other options as well, but the food banks really need the help. And I think it's sort of serendipitous that we have the bike library on today. Um, this was not planned, but I was thinking about it this morning. It's the day after Martin Luther King Day. 
and uh, that uh, Martin Luther King spoke so much about equality and equity and also about poverty. And um, those are issues that both of our organizations um, are, are interested in and interested in making progress on. And, um, but especially the bike library does some very unique things. And um, what we're here to talk to about today is the winter bike riding projects that you guys are working on. But I, I know that those will segue into issues of equity as well. So without further ado, I guess I'll start with you, Audrey, and, and, let, and let you guys talk to us about what you're doing. Hello, um, thank you for having us today. Hi, Chris, nice to see you on. Um, hi, Amre. So we have about 15 minutes and I think that we'll split the time kind of evenly between the three of us. We did two winter challenges this, week, uh, this year, which is something new that we've really never done before, but because of the pandemic, we thought that it would be necessary to encourage other people to get out and enjoy what we enjoy most about biking. Um, and uh, the first one is the Stay Cozy Winter Biking Team. And we have our mentors and we have our mentees. We have five mentors who are experienced winter cyclists. And then we have 10 folks who had never ridden through the winter before. Um, some of them are from Iowa, some of them aren't, some of them are new to Iowa. Um, so I'd like to maybe ask Amre, who's one of our mentors, and Chris, who's one of our Stay Cozy participants, if they could talk about um, why they decided to be a part of this group. Um, and also maybe how you first got into biking. So Amre, I'll let you, you introduce yourself. Um, well, I got into biking like, like a lot of people as a, as a child. Um, I grew up in Iowa and left as a teenager, but um, I had a very long driveway when I grew up and the, I, I, I found that I wanted, I always wanted to see if I could get my mountain bike out in the snow when I was like, I don't know, like 12 or 13 and it never worked. Um, it, the spit, tires would spin and I wouldn't be able to stay up and um, so in the winter, I always switched to, to sledding and, and hiking um, and just going on adventures through the, I, I, my backyard was a large wilderness, even though I lived in, in a college town like Iowa City, I lived in Cedar Falls. Um, but behind me, I had acres and acres of pasture and um, forest land that hadn't been absorbed by subdivisions. And so the fast forwarding a little bit, um, in my, my thirties, I moved to Italy. And when I lived there, um, I was able to get outdoors a lot. I, I was in the mountains many weekends. Um, I did a lot of long distance hiking and backpacking and a lot of climbing and, and things like that. And when I moved to Iowa, um, I, I, I wanted to continue that somehow. Um, we don't have any mountains and there aren't many places where I can go on, on long distance hikes that, that don't have a lot of urban aspects to them. And so my father, when I grew up, was big into road cycling. And he and my sister had ridden Reg Pride many, many years, and I'd never been, been interested in it. Um, but in moving to Iowa and trying to, to both gain a connection with my dad, and, um, but also trying to, to supplement 
my, my, my outdoor needs and interests, I started bicycling more. And so I moved here in the winter six years ago. And um, I moved here under the condition with myself that I, would, that I would not stay in this community if I couldn't get myself to go outdoors every day. Um, I moved here in, in January, it was very cold. Um, I hadn't lived in a place that had four seasons in almost 20 years. And the most of my adult life had been spent in the Southeast. And so coming here, I, I, I wanted to experience anew what it was like to live in a place that had seasons. And the winters was the first season that I got to experience. And the, growing up, I was always cold in the winter. Um, I, I, you know, part of that was me being, being very reluctant to wear other extra layers to stay warm. Um, layers were, tended to be very puffy and, and immobilizing. And, you know, there was also a lack of cool factor. If, you know, I had extra layers of, you know, coats and all sorts of things that I had to put on, they also took time. And so um, part of moving here was, was searching for ways in the winter to be active. And so my first winter, that meant that every day I'd walk downtown. Um, I happened to live on the north side at the time. And so every day I would walk downtown to meet friends and make friends and have coffee and talk about stories. And, um, and then um, as summer came, I started cycling and I really liked it. Um, I found that a lot of my friends were active in, in the biking community, um, or at least they were locally, even if they did other things away from here. And they were very inclusive. And they, they kind of taught me that there's a lot of beauty to be seen, especially around Iowa City. Um, and we could, bike, we could bike south of town and across rolling hills or flat farmland and go have, have a, a lunch in um, West Liberty and then bicycle back. Or we could go north and go through the, the, the very, you know, varying grades of rolling hills from very steep to very forested to um, blacktop roads where you may not see a car for, for a half hour. Um, and yeah, that, that had a lot of the things that I missed about hiking, especially across France and Italy. Um, I mean, it had the same kind of setting. And the, I mean, bicycling up to, to Mount Vernon um, through the hills on back roads is very similar in feeling to biking into a small rural community in France where you may have a castle on the hill, um, just the way the campus is laid out there. And so I started to find a lot of beauty in the outdoors. And my second winter here, I wanted to continue cycling because it was a way for me to get a, away from home, to get outdoors and to, to, I was finding that the more and more I got out, especially in the winter, in the fall, that I would see things that I didn't normally take in. Um, the winter tends to remove a lot of the, the distractions. There are fewer people, fewer cars, um, fewer, there's, there's a lot less wildlife and what wildlife there is, is more visible. Um, and I found that if I bicycled my, my, to my appointments, say in Coralville or across Iowa City, that I would get there within a couple minutes of the same amount of time it took me to drive. And I wouldn't have to try to, try to find a place to, to park my bike. 
and we didn't have to sit in long lines at streetlights. And, you know, it, it, it just became a really enjoyable way to spend my day. Um, I don't particularly like driving. Um, that's part of why I moved to Iowa City, because I could, I could walk or, you know, get around some way with, without having to drive. Um, and if I ever got too cold, I could always hop on a bus and go home. And so I started, I, I, I grew up skiing and snowboarding as well. And so the, the setting myself up for comfort wasn't much different than setting myself up for comfort to just walk downtown for one or skiing. And the, I think many people might be put off by the idea of bringing their bicycle out in the winter. But the thing is, um, a lot of people may be put off also by, by cross-country skiing as being very technical. Um, but a lot of people have started in the last few years going out snowshoeing as a non-technical way to experience the outdoors um, throughout the parks and along the trails in Iowa City, especially. And really, bicycling is the same gear. The only difference is, is a couple extra features on your bike. Um, and bicycling in the winter is very inclusive. You don't have, you don't need a fat tire bike. You don't need some, some specialized, very expensive way to enter into the sport or the activity. And it doesn't have to be something that you do um, in, in some aggressive way. It could just be you're going to get your groceries or you're going to mail a letter or you're riding your bike to work instead of driving. Um, so you don't have to spend a bunch of time or money parking your bike at say that university hospital. Um, and so really it, I, I ride a road bike in the winter. Um, I use different tires. I, I have fenders on my bike and I have what are called bar mitts on the, the front of my bike on the handlebars. They're basically a neoprene sleeve that I put my gloves in that keeps the wind off of them. And I found that Bicycling adds a little bit of extra wind to the cold air, but as long as I control the amount of skin that I have exposed, and that isn't necessarily an expensive thing, it's just a matter of getting things covered. Um, rain clothes worked well at first, rain pants and rain jackets. Um, a ski coat or snow pants worked well. Um, having snow boots was fine, um, as long as I kept them out of the chain. Um, and I found that my biggest fear was ice. Um, and a friend of mine that first winter that I started to ride said, well, hey, why don't you try these, these tires? He had a set of used studded tires and that he wasn't using. And they have metal studs on them, like the heads of nails that are just flat metal that supplement the traction on the tire. And I suddenly found that I had more control on my bike than I did in my car. Um, I could stop easily. I could move maneuver around things. And um, it just became a very easy process. I felt more comfortable on my bicycle suddenly than I did walking on sidewalks um, as far as slipping goes. And so, I don't know, that I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm giving a long introduction, but it's really just, it's been a way for me to continue to get outdoors. And during COVID, that's become even more essential because this winter, especially, um, I'm a very social person. Um, and so bicycling and being warm and finding ways to be warm outdoors and active has both 
given me like an outlet for anxious energy, but it's also put me around my friends who I wouldn't see outdoors in the winter. Um, and so, and in Iowa City, that's been really pretty easy because most of the main trails are, are plowed. So even if a bike isn't set up really for the winter and somebody just wants to get out, they can. And so um, I don't wanna take all the time. And I know that, that if Christopher's available, that, that it would be good to hear from him because he has a rather unique thing that he started doing this year um, with his long commute back and forth. Yeah, I, I'll um, interject real quick. Amre has so much information to share. And you, this is your second year or your sixth year riding in the winter, Amre? Uh, my fifth year. Your fifth year, okay. And I've been riding all my life um, and I've learned so much from Amre. Uh, one thing in particular is the, the wind factor. And usually I'll wear a puffy jacket all winter and overheat and I really like that overheating feeling but it's not always conducive to like showing up places dry um and so Omri has uh inspired me to get a, a a shell jacket which is also a raincoat um and so I really I really appreciated learning from you Omri um all these little tips and tricks but Chris um it's your first year. Um, I, so I am, my boy, let's condense down my complicated story. I grew up in California where it was 72 and sunny all the time and never had to worry about any winter biking problems. And then I've gone a long way through a lot of education through various parts of the country um, and places that have snow in winter. And I've had winter for a good 10 years. Um, but never braved biking in in the winter, even though I love biking in all the other temperate times of the year. And uh, this time around, so I moved to the Iowa City area to um, uh, for a pediatric fellowship at the Children's Hospital, um, which is exciting, um, but very time consuming and doesn't provide a lot of other time for exercise or really any wellness whatsoever, because I'm basically either in the hospital or I'm sleeping in my apartment and that's kind of it. Um, and then with uh, COVID happening and my usual exercise routine in the winter was to go swimming and I didn't feel like that was a super socially distanced thing. Um, I started pushing further into the winter with my bike and realizing I, I think I wanna see if I can make this happen. And I'd heard from people around here um, including other physicians and um, people that had uh, winterized their gear and gotten ready and uh, biked all the way through and I thought that sounded fun and then I had heard that the bike library was doing a program to kind of help people that were novices at winter riding to uh, get the get their bike in shape get some advice on how to approach things get their uh, clothing and like the physical gear so as to not freeze uh, back into shape as well, and I signed up immediately and have gotten to join this really cool community of people that have all, it, it's a, we have like a, a text group that we can all get together and talk about how everyone's trying to get out or uh, sharing tips and questions about how it all works, and it's been a really nice uh, resource to have as I've been trying to do this new thing, and 
I've actually been very successful with it. Um, I've surprised myself because I, I have the ability to park near the hospital, but as uh, Emery said, they, you can often make the same amount of time on your bike as you can in the car uh, between slow driving and uh, street conditions and everything else and then parking and getting to wherever I'm going. So I've been able to commute in just about the same amount of time. I'm coming from kind of the Coralville Mall area, so I have a pretty straight shot and usually things are fairly clean. Um, and uh, after getting my bike retrofitted and having some kind of donated clothing and some options for examples of how to kind of get my uh, get the balance there so that I'm both getting to work without frostbite, but also not dripping with sweat when I get there. So I don't have to take another shower or anything has been a trick. And I've been enjoying figuring out what layers of clothing make sense and what don't. And um, we also put new tires on my bike so that I can deal with the, uh, the uh, the ice that I'd heard so much about from everyone. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, you might have seen winter, but you haven't seen ice like you have in Iowa City. And I didn't believe them at all, and now I totally get it. It's, yeah, we hover right on that temperature where there's just a lot of ice on the ground. Um, and so I've got some nice uh, studded tires that give me a little bit more grip, and I haven't taken too many spills. Uh, so that's been nice and kind of learning my my way around when it makes sense to be on the roads or when it makes sense to uh, be on the sidewalks and traversing around the different businesses that do better or worse at cleaning off their their walkways um, but all in all i've done pretty well with that i've gotten a lot of props from my uh my co-workers who are shocked that anyone is biking in at the hours that i'm biking in and leaving when I leave, it's usually dark and quite cold, and I managed to brave that one really bad snowstorm that we had a few weeks ago, and I was pedaling my way right past all the side-lined side cars and uh, made it home safe, even though it was a harrowing journey. So makes for good stories, makes for good exercise, and keeps me more sane in, in this time. Chris, what, what, what are like two things that you've learned over the last two months in this Stay Cozy Winter Cycling group that are kind of lifesavers for you when you're leaving in the middle of the night or getting home in the middle of the night in the middle of a snowstorm? Um, two things I learned. Uh, I guess it could be here or yeah. like you know, anything. Um, it's been, I think I'd say taking it slow of the, uh, planning a little extra time because one, what you might expect the conditions to be will not necessarily match what they actually are. Um, and we have, uh, and I, I have noticed that you might think that the worst commute is going to be during the snowstorm. Not at all, because the snow is nice and puffy, and that you end up with, you can get decent traction, and you, it, everything's kind of consistent. And then there'll be days, many days out from when I've been uh, already been biking through everything, and then the uh, snow plows will come back through and push all the slush off the street to clean things better for the cars, and then that slush goes right onto the sidewalk. 
and then I suddenly am walking my bike through a little mountain of stuff to get places. So building in that extra five minutes for I have no idea what the conditions are going to be when I'm actually going has been a, a big learning point. And then I think my other one has been just figuring out what what parts of my body I need to keep warm and what parts I don't that will take care of themselves. So I've gotten really attached to this absolutely unnecessarily robust set of mittens that I have that keep my hands super toasty. And then I've realized that I need almost nothing under a jacket or anything because in the time it takes me to get to work, I'm going to be pretty warm and have no issues there. So I, I think I started the winter with all the layers I could possibly need. And I thought I needed the dexterity of having actual gloves and my outfits completely changed. Now I, I don't need the dexterity. I need my fingers to be warm when I get wherever I'm going. And I don't need a thousand layers, but it's nice to have all the different layers to build back up. So I've gotten pretty good at waking up, looking at what my thermostat says it is outside and being like, oh, okay, 30, got it. I know what I want to wear for that. 25, got it. Ooh, 18, I might need another layer. Um, so that's been, I think those are the two big things I've been taking away from that. Yeah, I, um, one rule that I don't abide by, but I do when I'm going out for a, like a long training ride is you should be cold for the first 10 minutes of your ride. Um, right. I'm very attached to my puffy jacket though, but yeah, learning what, what layers to wear. And sometimes that's just one layer under a shell. So on that note, why don't we talk a little bit about gear and clothing more in depth? Um, the, one of the things that, that I've found in is that um, everyone has their own sense of interest and style and willingness to stay cold or warm. Um, the, um, if I am in a hurry, I know that I'm going to start sweating very quickly if I have the same layers that I would wear if I were just standing in the cold. Um, and so I need to be able to, to shed layers quickly or to just simply open them up. Uh, rain jackets or ski jackets are tend to be very good top layers. Um, and then be, because most often, especially newer ones, will have a, a zipper under the arm as well as the zipper in the front. And so um, Audrey's going to put hers on and show us, I think, here. Um, the Being able to open those things up is, is really crucial um, because even when it's 10 degrees outside, um, I find that once I get moving, I my hands may be frozen and my nose may be cold and my toes may be getting cold, but my chest is 130 degrees. <laughs> and the uh, and and that becomes a, a big issue because um, if I do have to stop and say I have to wait for a long time for traffic or I have to um, or I run into an issue where um, my bike breaks if I'm all wet the uh, Audrey I love the the show and tell <laughs> if, if I'm all wet um, when I have to start stop and start doing things I'm going to get extremely cold. Um, whereas if I'm dry and, and I have to stop for a while, I may get a little cool, but 
I've, I've got, as long as I have some layers that have some air in between them, I'm usually okay. Um, I know that if I'm going to be doing a mix of, of standing around and bicycling, I'm gonna bring a down coat or uh, something that's going to be warm for standing around. Um, but for me, the biggest thing has, has over the years has been keeping the wind off of me. And that means covering my neck and having something that I can quickly pull up over my nose. Um, I'll do some show and tell with my, just the way that I cover my head. Um, I wear a neck gaiter or a buff. Um, the, in the past, I've worn a balaclava, which is like the full thing, but I found for the most part, it's not flexible enough for me. Um, and they, a lot of them aren't very, aren't very stretchy either. And so, but I can pull this over my face and, the, uh, and I wear a hat. Um, I tend to wear a hat that doesn't let much wind in um, because wind is the thing that's going to make me cold. It isn't, it isn't the cold air, it's the wind blowing through things and past my skin that's going to steal all of that heat that's built up on the surface. And so the, uh, I also have, I, I wear a normal bike helmet. Um, my son who loves to ride his balance bike around outside um, on the snow because it's more, more it, in many ways, it's more capable than my bikes. Um, the, uh, he wears a ski helmet and a lot of people bicycle with ski helmets. The one issue you have to be concerned about is with a ski helmet, there may be a lot of warm covers over the ears that will be great to keep you warm, but you need to be able to hear. If you're on a bicycle, especially in the winter, nobody's looking for you. Um, if you're in traffic and you're waiting at a stop sign and somebody just got in their car, they barely, they only defrosted their windows enough so that they can see a small hole in the morning and it's dark and they haven't had, their coffee hasn't quite set in yet. And their windshield, wind, their windshield is fogging on the inside because they're leaning so far forward to see out that they're breathing on it. <laughs> and they're not looking for a bicycle that's waiting on the edge of the road. And so being able to hear those cars come up is essential. Um, being able to hear when a car is going to pass you, um, because if they catch you off guard, that may put you close to opening doors mm -hmm. um, if you're on the street, or it may put you in a situation where you're, you're riding down a line of, of pavement that's clear. And if they pass too close to you because they're in a hurry, because they're late and it's winter, and they're going to push you onto the slush, which is going to immediately change the dynamic of how you're able to bicycle and keep your balance. And so, but I put, so down to cold again. I, this is a great mask for COVID as well, if you're out in a social situation. Um, so I, I, I pull it all the way up as high as I'm going to have when I buckle my helmet so that I can slide it down and quickly slide it up if I'm waiting at a stoplight with a bunch of people standing around with their coffee who may or may not be willing to wear masks. Um, and. I usually have sunglasses um, because I find that my eyelashes freeze very quickly um, when it drops below say 25 degrees. Um, if it drops below 15 degrees, my eyes start to freeze. Um, and that may, seem, that may sound really uncomfortable, but if you've ever been in a hot tub in the winter outside, you'll notice that your hair freezes and you're completely unaware of it but you're, because your body is, 
is sitting in 100 degree, 105 degree water. And so um, it's the same thing with cycling. My body is very warm and I'm putting off a lot of heat. Um, but if it starts getting down to that, that really cold weather or it's raining or it's sleeting or it's just a little windy, then I, I use ski goggles because the ski goggles, the same reason you wear them when you ski, they keep the, the cold air off of your eyes. They allow you to see better, they don't fog over and they keep you warm. And that's part of keeping the, the comfort in this. I don't wanna be miserable. I'm, I'm, I am a person who very, very much likes creature comforts and Audrey's the same way. Um, and so the, I want something that, that is going to keep me warm and keep the wind off of me. Um, if you can afford a layer that keeps the wind off of you comfortably, Audrey, you have something? Oh yeah, I just, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, what you were just getting into, kind of the affordability of everything. Um, there are probably three things that you probably need to like buy if you can't find them. The way we did it, Ryan Baker at World of Bikes is a big help. He donated so much stuff. He owns a bike shop, so he has so much extra gear. And Al Raymond, one of our um, mentors, also donated a bunch of stuff. And so the, the State Cozy participants were able to pick from a big pile of expensive gear and get either a winter helmet or goggles, ski goggles if they didn't have them, or a wind jacket or something. Um, or studded tires. Um, so it, do, it isn't that expensive to get into, but there are still barriers. And that's like the point of the state cozy thing is like, we just wanted to eliminate every single barrier there was. Um, and Amra, you can finish what you were saying about, you know, uh, the affordability of it and whatnot. And then maybe we should hop into the few things that you need for your bike. And I'll, I'll maybe let Chris kind of answer what he wants or what he thinks are like the three things on his bike that have changed. Maybe this would be a good time while, while, while the three of us are talking about gear and, and equipment that, that I share some pictures on my screen to show a little bit more of that as well. Um, so you can click, you should have a share screen button. So um, in the mix of this, the, I mean, here's a, I don't know what you can see right now, um, but if you can see my helmet okay. and, um, and goggles, um, the, this is the setup that my son wears um, when he's eager to get outside. Um, the, he's three and he's very, he likes to go everywhere I go. Um, and he doesn't like to ride in cars either. Um, he doesn't like all the restrictions. He likes to be able to, to look all around him and his car seat doesn't let him do that. And so um, I often put him, if the, if the temperature is above 20 degrees, because I'm worried about him not being active, um, sitting in a trailer that's closed in, then I'll take him. If he's willing to wear his snow boots and his, and his snow clothes and his mittens, um, and he wraps a blanket around himself and he usually sings while we bicycle. Um, but 
one of the most essential things is creature comforts. Um, be before we talk about clothing, let's talk about being happy. Um, so I don't know what your favorite beverage is that you like in the winter, um, but two things can happen when you're out bicycling. You can get dehydrated because you're sweating a lot potentially. Um, the other is that you might get cold. Um, so you have, if, if you just put a water bottle on your bicycle, it'll turn to ice or close to it. It's not going to help you. But if you have a thermos that you can put just tap water in or warm water into, that will actually help out a lot um, because it, it'll, it'll in many ways both help warm you up and, and rehydrate you. But I also take herbal tea with me most of the time um, or coffee. And I just put that into my thermos and the outside of the thermos may be freezing and the inside's often too hot to drink. Um, so I tend to leave a little bit of space to put some water on top of it to cool it down before I leave. Um, and, you know, it's always nice if you're, you're out with friends to bring a big thermos and some cups so that you can share maybe some hot cider with them wherever, when you get where you're going. Um, because you may find that you're, you're out in the snow and you've, you've reached a place where you want to take a break. Um, and the, uh, because you know, there, there, there are times where you just want to be um, social and you can't do that otherwise. So you need something that's not going to be frozen. Um, but quickly on, on gear, um, the having a pair of, of warm gloves or even mittens, um, mittens take some getting used to being able to shift your gears. Um, the, those are really helpful. Um, and a, a variety of, of things to put on your feet because my toes get really cold, even if I'm wearing snow boots. Um, so ski socks, um, a neoprene sock is something that you can get for about $10, $15 um, to put over top of your socks and it keeps the wind off of them. And the, the same thing for hats. I have a hat that's windproof. Sometimes I wear a balaclava. Um, I wear a neck gaiter or, or a buff over that. Um, and if I need an extra layer, then I put a neoprene hat that costs $10 on top of my other hat um, for the really cold days when it's really windy. Um, because I've learned that some of the days where it most, seems most miserable to go outside are some of the most beautiful. Um, my favorite time to ride my bicycle is when it's snowing. Everything's quiet. If there's a thin layer of snow across the trail um, or across the road, the wheels stop making noise. It feels like I'm gliding more than bicycling. Um, and it steals a lot of the visual distractions away from my surroundings too. If I'm riding along the river, suddenly the only things that I'm seeing are birds. Um, during the snow, I often come across deer um, or eagles will fly, eagles or hawks before they were run off by the eagles for the season, um, will fly along with me um, in strange ways that they don't do when the weather's nice. Um, and so that, that's, those are things that being warm and being prepared to go out on days where you may not want to may be the most rewarding. Um, 
So before I go into equipment with bicycles, um, Audrey and Chris, defer. do you have anything that you want to share about how you've set yourself up? Go ahead, Chris. Um, I was just going to say that the, I think I, I already kind of talked a little bit about like some of the things that I've I had set up for gear and I am not fortunately right now around my gear to show you what I ended up having, but the, I think a big part of why I was able to do this this year was because of the bike library uh, providing these donated, um, uh, the, the donated gear that we could pick through and find things that may not have been perfect. They, a lot of them were actually pretty darn nice, but um, the lowering that barrier because I, I want at some point to have pretty good gear for these sorts of things, but having the ability to go in and just have people kind of be like, you need one of these, you need something like this. Do you have something like this? No, okay, you need this. And then walk away from there. And then I got to kind of explore that on my own of, okay, yeah, I need to keep my neck warm. There's five different ways to do that. And now I know a couple more of them and I can on my next, uh, the, the time I need to upgrade or the time that one gets worn through, or I realize that if you're breathing through your mask element every day, it gets pretty gross after a few days. You probably want a couple of those to cycle through throughout the week if you're biking every day. Um, so that learning those things and knowing which pieces to invest in and which ones not um, was really only made possible through this sort of a program. It really, I, I'm not sure I would have, actually, I know I would not have tried to bike this year because I have enough other things going on that it just wasn't worth the time for me to do the research to figure out what I needed. And instead I had it kind of handed to me on a platter of, oh, this is what you have? Okay, this is what you need. And here we can work with you to find ways to make it work. And then, and it's not even a like setting you free into the world with, okay, well now you've got all your stuff, good luck, bye. It was, then we have all of this communication and being able to, to cycle back and be like, hey, this isn't working, or I'm not sure how I'm supposed to be using this, or I'm I'm missing a, a an element. Help me figure out what it is, and having access to those experts helps too. So that's all I'd say about gear. I think I, I've gone over what I had, but good stuff. Yeah, we use um we use GroupMe to. It's the first time the bike library has used GroupMe to kind of. We do a, about 15 different programs and the first time we've used GroupMe to kind of communicate and it's worked out really, really well. You can mute it if you want to mute it, um, but you can also quickly snap a picture of, of your commute to work and be an, an inspiration for others and just help motivate each other. Um, so GroupMe has worked really well. And um, yeah, anything else you want to say, Amre? Or are we going to move into Q&A here soon, Sarah? Yeah, but we could go like another five or so. I mean, you have a little bit of time if you want, if Amri wants to show some of the uh, bike equipment that's useful. Um, let's really quickly show some of the, the equipment that, that we helped get Chris set, Christopher set up with and that Audrey and I use. Um, so there are different types of tires that you can use in the winter. Um, you can just use your normal tire that you use the rest of the year. Um, the, You'll notice the tires that I use in the winter have metal studs on them. Um, so I have rubber traction down the center for when there's no snow. Um, but at, as a 
start to lean into a turn one way or the other, or um, these, these little metal studs supplement that. Um, they, they bite into the ice um, and you know, they're just, they, they tend to be very helpful. That me, they, they're the difference between me slipping on the ice and not. Um, and we were given a lot of donations of, of tires for this project this year, which was wonderful. So that we could set people like Christopher up with tires. And another one of our participants who, who also commutes back and forth to the hospital every day, um, mostly at night, she was able to get set up with, with tires. Um, and bar mitts are another thing. They're called, they're traditionally called pogies. They're just a cover for your handlebars for you to put your hands in. Um, they, they go completely around the shifters and the handlebars so that you put, you slide your hands inside of them. Um, they're usually the first thing that go on my bike in the fall because I can wear those and not have to wear gloves. Um, and then as it gets colder, I can put thicker and thicker gloves into those to deal with the cold, but they keep the wind and the rain off of my hands. Um, so one thing I love about bar mitts, and you have a drop handlebars or road handlebars. Um, so your bar mitts fit specifically road handlebars and mine fit a flat handlebar, which because I were at a mountain bike um, to work. But one thing I love about them is in the spring, when you are so sick of wearing gloves and hats and everything, you can, I leave them on, you know, through March and April and don't take them off till May just because they do keep the wind off of my hands and I don't have to leave the house with, with gloves every morning then. And then the other thing that, that um, is handy are fenders because that keeps the slush and the snow and the sand and the salt off of both you and off of your bike. Um, nobody, especially if you don't have time to take a change of clothes to work, nobody's gonna want a streak of slush up the back of their, their jacket or, or shirt um, or across their legs. Um, and you know, again, taking a thermos somewhere, um, taking a bike, a, a bag that's, that's water resistant or a backpack, um, either pannier or backpack is handy so that you can add an extra layer. Um, or if you're taking your work clothes so that you can take your work clothes in there and then just use your, your, the, your, the clothes that you're biking in just for biking. Um, and I will say that this picture you have up on right, the pannier on the back is just, some people call it a pannier or a saddlebag. Um, you really only need one. You can buy two. Um, there are ones that work better than others. And they do cost anywhere from like nice ones that last a while, anywhere from $50 to $150 each. Um, so that's one item that I really advise people to get their hands on, even if they can just get one. And there, there are ones that are available that are, that are more cumbersome but still waterproof that are available more affordably. Um, or you can buy used equipment. Um, and you can always come to the bike library and ask to dig through our inventory there of what we have um, through donations. And so, um, so th this, is, this is my setup on a nice snowy day over at City Park. Um, the, but it's not always snowy. And so, um, 
So it's just, if you look at the, the trees in this photo before we turn over to Q&A, um, the weather takes, takes all sorts of different shapes and, and colors throughout the, the winter season. It isn't just gray, which to me, growing up here, I always thought that January and February especially were the gray months that I prayed for sunny days, um, that I would rush outside and play in the ice and the snow. And then, you know, it just really affected my mood even as a kid. And, but there's really a lot more to it. Um, yesterday, I went hiking for a couple hours with a friend along the river. And just being on the opposite side of the river from the river walk um, in the snow was like going into a different world. Um, there were eagles everywhere. Um, there were bluebirds. There were cardinals. There were crows cackling. There, there were, were um, coyote prints and rabbit prints everywhere and few signs of humanity. Um, even though looking, if we went to the river's edge, we could see, of course, the, the strip at the river walk. Um, so um, that's really all I have to share. Um, if, if you have questions. Do we have any questions in the chat box? Emily, I didn't think I saw any. Not at this time. Um, I have a, I have a couple of questions. Um, one of them, and I don't know if any of you have tried this, but last year I read this in a, in a bicycling, I can't remember if it was a magazine or online, that if you have disc brakes on your bike, you can use cable ties around your tires as a for instead of studs. Do you know about that? Yeah, they are, they are an, an affordable way to, to, to deal with, they don't help as much with the ice, but they do help with that sort of layer slick. of hard slush before it starts to break up Okay. Um, and snow, especially when that snow is hard. Mm -hmm. um, and the disc brakes offer another thing. If you're fortunate enough to have a bike with disc brakes, um, sometimes they can be more mechanically difficult to work on in the winter. Um, but they, they don't gum up and they don't, when you get water all along the rim or slush all along the rim, they, they continue to be really effective, um, and quick to stop you. Um, whereas the pinching brakes sometimes can, can have problems with that, but that's, that's also personal preference. And how much do a pair of studded tires, what, what do those cost if you get them new? Um, anywhere from from twenty five dollars to a hundred dollars. Okay. Um, from the bike library, um, Audrey would be able to say how much we were able to to sell them for there. Um, yeah, we sell them for about ten here, um, and we do advocate for local bike shops. There's a lot of stuff that you can buy cheaper on Amazon. But when you go to Jeff's Bike and Ski or World of Bikes or Shields or um, wherever that you go to get your bike worked on, what happens is that you get so much more information um, when you go into a local business to get the things you need for your bike specifically. Um, so it's not just, you're not just paying a little bit extra for this same product. You're, you get to talk to people who do this for a living um and there's a lot of um value in that i think there's also with the the local bike shops 
um, a lot of people trade in their gear. Mm-hmm. They, they outfit their bike and they either never use it um, or they just simply upgrade. And so um, my first winter tires were just, they were, somebody had wanted a different set of tires. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to pick them up for $15 a piece or something like that. And um, the other thing is that you don't need to have, if you're planning to ride on ice, you may want sedded tires. If you're planning to ride, especially before sunrise or after sunset, when it starts to, when, when the, the snow that's been melting through the day turns to ice. Um, but if you're just bicycling during the day, um, after like nine or 10 o'clock and you're gonna be out during the daylight, you can pick and choose potentially when you're riding and where, and you may not need any, any change to your bike. Um, the, the other thing is that, that a lot of people just put snow tires on, which are just a tire that has a little bit wider um, traction treads on it so that the snow sheds easily out of the tire um, and they grip into it better. One other thing maybe you could talk about, I've, I've been trying to ride quite a bit this winter and most days, I didn't today, but most days I've been riding into work. And um, I think Amre, you touched on just a little bit when you were talking about getting pushed off the road, but two things that I've found indispensable are my rear red blinky light, because you know anytime visibility is not great, I, you wanna be seen. And then the other thing is really lane position. And for people, you know, we are always coaching people to um, take the lane, so to speak, to, to get out there a little further. And I know that there are places on my route when I'm riding to and from that I really, you know, I get out there away from the car and I, you know, I'm looking for the right road conditions and the right um, opportunity to be visible or if I know I'm going into a turn I really prepare for that so that the the motorist behind me knows they're going to have to pass wide or just wait behind and you guys are riding a lot more miles than I am so maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Chris um what have you learned about communicating your intentions like you 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 said earlier you know choosing when to get on the road and when to be on a path but when you're on the road um what are some like like what have you what has changed this winter in relation to sarah's question uh trust no one um in in the nicer weather i felt like i had a little bit more of a leg to stand on of there i was a little bit more visible it was a little bit brighter out usually and people were expecting bikes to be on places where i was usually biking um so then i could push it a little bit further and just try to be kind of big and see if people are going to notice me give a wave or whatever else. But in the winter, I, between giant mounds of ice that I'm hidden behind and people absolutely not thinking anyone would, any sane person would be biking in certain situations. Um, and then the added concern of cars just not being able to stop um, because at least if someone slams on their brakes in normal nice weather, then they usually do uh, actually stop before they would hit you. But I have seen too many people start thinking about they should stop and then realize that they're not gonna be able to in time. Um, So I've just gotten obnoxiously visible and incredibly cautious with having 
very bright outer layers, having very bright, annoying lights, and angling them a little higher than I used to because I would rather people be annoyed and see me than be courteous and have them go, oh, look, they had a light after they run into me. Um, so between all of that, I just end up going, that's another time factor going into my commute taking a little bit longer is that instead of being able to just book it and be like, I know when I have the right of way, I'm fairly confident people are gonna see me. This becomes much more of a, I can see the cars, they usually can't see me and they particularly in winter don't expect me to be where I am. So trust no one, that, that's what I've learned. I was talking to a friend the other day and they were coming to the bike library um, and they were feeling really good about having like directed traffic. They were riding on Gilbert and ride taking the lane and signaling in all three directions like what they wanted each car to do to make sure that they understood, the cars understood around them. Because sometimes you're surrounded by cars and you have to look at people in the eyes and make sure that they see you. And if you have goggles on or sunglasses on, you really do have to like wave people along or, you know, pay attention to what they're doing because if they're on their phone, they're not see they don't see you. Um, that's another story. And then, you know, they're probably waving you along too because a lot of people are very courteous that are out there in cars. So just really communicating with the cars, I think is a big thing. Sarah, you brought up a really good point about lights. Um, the it's I, I I think it's essential to have if you can at least a tail light that blinks, but preferably a tail light and a headlight and a backup, mm -hmm. um, at least a backup light or backup batteries, um, depending on how it works, and making sure that if it's rechargeable that you keep it charged, right. um, so that you can always be seen, um, and being aware both. When, when a car is coming behind me, I always look over my shoulder at the driver. I don't look at the car, I look at the driver. And I find that if I just glance over my shoulder, they respond differently. Mm -hmm. they, they don't ignore me, which is what usually happens, it seems like, like I don't exist when they go by. But if I look over my shoulder, it seems like that, that must change something psychologically. And they slow down, they, they, they respond to me if I wave at them or they give me a little bit extra room. Um, but being aware, especially like along, along the Coralville Strip, if you're riding on the trail there, it's to each time you come up at a driveway to make sure that there's nobody about to turn into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's one thing that we teach the kids at Bike Club in the summer is when you're crossing the street, look everybody in the eyeballs. And they think that's the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> like, why would I look at these people in the eyes? And then they do it and it works. Yeah. Um, one thing about lights, another option is to get a generator hub. It's expensive. It's like a two, you know, $250 wheel, um, but a generator hub in the middle of your wheel that generates lights for the front and rear. Um, I've been riding my whole life and I still can't figure out how to recharge my lights. Um, so two years ago, I finally just invested in a really nice front wheel and now I never have to recharge lights. Um, so that's another option. Great. 
Well, we're running out of time and I'm sure you guys could share a lot more stuff. So I just want to encourage people to follow the bike library. I know you guys are on Instagram and you're on Facebook. You do such incredible work year round. Um, and you're so, um, available and approachable for the very beginning, you know, the very novice rider to, to ask questions, you're just a really supportive organization. So I want to thank you for that. Um, and I want to remind people again, about the trails to table challenge, which is encouraging you not just to bike, but to walk or run or hike, um, to get outside. Um, the MPO is involved with a lot of paved trails in the metro area. And so we've been weekly putting up um, various routes and information on different trails. And next week's Zoom, um, Emily and I are gonna give people a virtual tour of the entire trail network, sort of some information on existing trails and places where trails will be extending and places where there are cut throughs and shortcuts that um, people who are just driving down the street might not know about. So um, I hope people will tune in for that, but I really wanna thank you guys from the bike library. It's been a lot of fun um, and informational watching you um, do what you're doing through the winter. So thank you again. Thank you for being a partner with us, Sarah <laughs> and Emily. Um, we couldn't do it without community support, city support, and county support. And I will um, say one thing, we are doing some really, really big things in 2021. So please do follow us. And we're gonna be making some big announcements here um, at the end of the month. And Chris and Omri probably know what I'm talking about, but we're not making it public yet. Okay, um, exciting. So thank you, Chris and Omri. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Thank you everyone.